You are listening to the Holy Backboard on the Sage Digital and Nothing But Net Networks. For more on your trailblazers, go to iTunes, search the Holy Backboard, and subscribe today. Today's show is brought to you by Vinyl Me, please. Join the Record of the Month Club at www.joinvmp.com forward slash Holy Backboard. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 137th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage chilling here, man, in snowy Beaverton, Oregon, or icy Beaverton, Oregon, to be real. And, uh, you know, it's Lunar New Year, man, so, you know, it, it's time to time to eat some Chinese food and, you know, be thankful for my grandparents for coming to America. That, that's how I celebrate Lunar Hell New yeah. Year every every, every year. <laughs> well, hopefully the Blazers can celebrate with a dub tonight against the Heat. Hey man, Heat are a weird team, bro. I know we'll get into it, but they got like 12, 12 rotation players for like eight rotation spots, man. And they're better on the road than they are at home. They they're just a weird team, and like you can't even blame Spolstra for like the weird rotations. It's like everybody deserves a little be- piece of time. And now that Dion Waiters is back, like Justice Winslow's less less uh, useful, and then like the only person w- with the real minutes is jo- uh, Josh Richardson. That's a that's a weird ass team, but you know, the Heat game really isn't the the most important thing to talk about in the in, in this in this uh, podcast. So let, let's but get into I, it. I would, I, I I would disagree. I I think it is because the Blazers have had so much time off, especially at home. There's been no travel, and they are in peak position heading into the All-Star break. 32-20, and only a game behind the Thunder for third, and they've started to create a little bit of separation between the home court advantage and non-home court advantage teams. You have the Rockets, who have 22 losses. The Spurs are going into a murderer's row stretch right now that could kick them out of the playoffs by the time the week ends. They have 23 losses. Utah, 24. And the eighth-seeded Clippers have 25. So Portland is starting starting to widen that gap between four and then five, six, seven, and eight. And so if they can get a three- or four-game lead going into that seven-game Eastern Conference road trip, that is going to be so crucial because you don't expect to win all seven. You really want to go four and three and stay above 500. So it is an important game that the Blazers win. And to me, home court advantage is is a must. I know what happened last year is last year, but you ask any NBA team, any NBA fan, any NBA GM, you want home court advantage. And so that's what Portland is looking to do. They have a, a pretty manageable week, but a very important week because they have the Miami Heat on on TNT tonight. Then they have the San Antonio Spurs on Thursday, which could really put more distance between them and, and San Antonio. And then they got a quick two-game road trip, uh, the Mavericks and Thunder. So, again, you're playing outside of the Heat, a lot of Western Conference teams that you're either chasing or are chasing you. So every game matters, and especially – once you get past that halfway mark, and, you know, Portland has 30 games to go. 18 and 12 will get you 50 wins, which 
it's it's looking well, knock on wood. But that first hurdle is that trade deadline. And Neil Olshay made some news on Super Bowl Sunday acquiring Rodney Hood from the Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange to second round picks in 2021 and 2023, along with the expiring contracts of Wade Baldwin and Nick Stauskas. Sage, uh, break it down for me. How are you feeling about the trade? How does this impact Portland? And there's still got to be a little bit more, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird. People are upset about the second round picks, but it's like, we haven't had a second round pick in years. We buy them. I mean, we had owner, we had a really dedicated owner, and that's like the biggest, you know, that, that, that was such an important thing to have an owner that was dedicated to the team, you know? Ownership's like a huge competitive advantage. So trading these picks, I think low risk, mid, mid reward, because we weren't trading anybody in our rotation. And the second round picks, again, like the 10th pick is good enough 10% of the time to be like on your team. It, it's a crapshoot. It really is. And if you're going second rounders, it's going to be tough to really get that good player. Yeah, of course, there's the Jokics and the, Draymond Greens, but there's so many other, you know, crap that we ha- have to go through. So it, it, I'm, I'm fine with the trade. I would love for something else to be in the works, but if this is all it is, I'm fine with it. He's gonna help the rotation. Yeah, you look at the second round picks, and I don't think Portland has had an owned second round pick since it's either 2012 with Will Barton or 2013 when we selected Jeff Jeff Withy, and then we ended up trading him. Yeah, you traded him to New Orleans. So Portland, Neil O'Shea especially, has done a really good job in the second round. We talked about Will Barton. He traded two second-round picks to Cleveland to take Alan Crabb. He bought a second-round pick in 2016 to take Jake Lehman. Uh, Pat Connaughton was part of the Rondé Hollis-Jefferson trade where we also got Mason Plumley. So. Mm-hmm. He has an eye for talent deep in the draft, and he's able to purchase the pick. Like you can trade second round picks in perpetuity for a reason. Uh, yes, they're they're important for a team like Cleveland, but Portland has two guys who are 19 years old lighting up the G League that can't sniff the rotation. I, I don't necessarily think that in 2021 we're going to be yearning for that second round pick to to be at our you know disposal. 2023s, I think, a little too long term to even think about and yeah i know that sounds short short sighted but you know we're not talking about an unprotected first round pick you are talking about a second round pick mm-hmm. we still have the youngest or the second youngest team in the entire nba without a rotation player over the age of 30 years old so let's pump the brakes on being upset over giving second round picks rodney hood is an expiring contract he took the qualifying offer and yeah, he didn't perform very well in Cleveland, but but newsflash, nobody fucking performed well in Cleveland. It was LeBron James, and that was it. And you've seen the team kind of crumble after the fact. Um, Rodney Hood in Utah was a stud. He was their starting guard, and he was able to lessen that. that he took the blow away from when Gordon Hayward left a little bit. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell came along and kind of stole the show, but Hood was going to play that role. Uh, they traded him and got Jay Crowder in return, who has who's been a nice player for Utah, but Rodney Hood, is a, he is a smooth player, like that left-handed stroke, and he always, he always played well against Portland, and when Utah took him out of Duke, I was like, this guy's going to be a, a nice player, and yeah, don't, don't get me wrong, he's not an all-star, 
but he's better than Mo Harkless and he's better than Nick Stauskas and Wade Baldwin combined. He he is going to help. And most importantly, he is insurance if Portland decides they want to move CJ McCollum because we have a guy named Damian Lillard who can kind of hold down that backcourt. I remember a few weeks ago I was talking about how we need to take risks on blue chip talent that for whatever reason haven't panned out. I think Rodney Hood is a perfect example of a blue chip talent. He went to Duke. He was a high recruit. I think he was a four star guy. I loved him in college. He hasn't, it hasn't worked out in the pros for him, but you know what? Even in the playoffs against the Golden State, you saw that he had skill. He was a skilled scorer. That, that risk isn't that much, man. Like it's not much that we gave up and he could be a nice, piece off the bench that could put 15 on people's heads like three times a week i mean that's what we're looking for we are looking for bench support what has been one of the number one complaints among blazer maniacs when the bench comes in the game you don't know if they're going to keep the lead or not this dude just last season in 39 games in 28 minutes put up 17 points per game shot 39 percent from downtown if he gets to the line he's converting 88 percent like, this guy is a certified bucket getter. That's what you want from a bench player, a specialized talent. They do one or two things really well. You're not asking for a superstar to come off your bench. That's preposterous. And you trading Nick Stauskas for a superstar doesn't make sense either. We got we got what we got, and he's skilled. Yeah, it, it's not. By, by no means is this a, a grand slam trade. This is a solid single to double trade by yeah. Neil Olshay. And that, sometimes you don't need to go for the home run. Sometimes a nice double is going to help the team. This is a trade around the edges. It's not going to be a, you know, a needle mover. It's a trade around the edges to improve this team and improve our bench scoring, which has been, you know, the highest variance thing. For this team, it's either we dominate or just get smashed. You know, I, I really like this movie because it, it it does help our our, our depth. Mo Harkless has been significantly inconsistent this season. Jake Lehman is thriving, but you need a little bit more. And to me, this is a, a precursor to another move. I don't know if they're going to try to hit that grand slam and move McCollum for a certified superstar. Or if it allows them to maybe trade Aminu or Harkless uh, or even Evan Turner. Um, but it gives Neil Olshay another option because outside of CJ, our our shooting guard depth is very, very green in terms of Gary Trent Jr. Um, and then you had Nick Stauskas who um, started off so well, but then just he just he flat out got beat and and, and that happens. Yeah, I mean, now it's possible for us to do a CJ McCollum for a two player, good, two good player trade. Now it's, there's more options now with that empty roster spot than there was, you know, two days ago. So he, he's doing a, you know, he's doing a good job in finding talent, man. Like, shoot. Anything's like anything to bolster that bench is good. Any positive thing to bolster the bench it has to be considered a good move. Yeah, I mean, overall, I give the, the trade a solid B plus. I mean, I, I don't. We didn't move a single piece that was going to be necessary to move the needle. We allowed ourselves to use pieces to move the needle and have contingency plan in Rodney Hood. 
which I'll take that any day of the week. What would you grade that trade, Sage? I, I would give it a B. Like, I'm cool with it. I've never not been cool with it. It's just, you know, people worry about this team and they have an absolute right to do so. But it's like, we got to see what the entire trade deadline is going to do for the Blazers before we react really strongly. There's still two full days to get some shit done. I don't think this is the only move. And, but Rodney Hood, I'll take it. He's better than who we had. So we've talked about CJ McCollum quite a bit already on this podcast as a possible candidate in a blockbuster trade. We've also discussed him throughout the season as, you know, not living up to his potential. But the last four games, CJ has looked, I would say, some of the best basketball he's played in, in, in a Blazer uniform. It, it goes back to the OKC game, puts 31 on the board, 11 of 23 from the field. Phoenix started out hot in that first quarter. Didn't really need him the rest of the way, but he came out 20 points. He matched Booker shot for shot, shot over 50%, four of eight from downtown. Against Atlanta without Damian Lillard, he puts up the triple-double, 28, 10, and 10. And then against Utah, I mean, my God, Sage, that first quarter was unreal. I mean, he was kind of quiet after that, but we didn't need him. He set the tone. I mean, he had 30 points. He shot 12 of 17 and 3 of 5 from downtown. What I loved about his game lately is he's doing a lot less dribbling. Like, he's still dribbling. That That's always going to be his game. But it's 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 a significant increase in um, – how he's, he's making his decisions much quicker. And I think he's starting to get that floater back and he's starting to hit that mid range. Um, he's just making a lot better decisions. And I think he's cooling out a little bit from, from just from, he was, he was wilding a little bit earlier on this season. I think we can all agree there, but he seems like he's just tightened up his game and we have looked downright scary on offense when he's clicking. Do you think it's, you know, Dame or Terry Stott saying, we need you to, perf- we need you. And he's just relaxed more. It, it looks like he's a more relaxed NBA player and not in his head or dribbling too much. You know what, Sage? I could say something right now and I would have zero credibility. I would have zero insight. Nobody knows. I don't know. It could have been maybe he was having a glass of his, you know, Pinot and was watching something on TV and it just, it just clicked. Or he chatted with his fiance, chatted with his mom, his brother, Dame, who knows? Maybe it clicked. Like LeBron said, when they were down three, one to the warriors, he was watching an Eddie Murphy raw comedy special with his wife. And he sent this group text and he's like, okay, we, we got this. Maybe it was something as simple as that, that got him to relax. I have no idea, but whatever it is, he has been in a, a fantastic groove and it makes me feel even better about Portland's outlook this season when you've got Nurk playing at his level, Dame's playing at an MVP level, and then CJ is finally picking up his, his you know, his load. That is a that is a really strong big three when when they're all clicking, and then you start getting your role players like Jake and Aminu and, and Myers. I mean, you start getting everyone picking up their part. Some people have heavier loads to carry, but as long as you carry them collectively. You're an unstoppable force, and, and right now it seems like it, it's clicking for this team. And the only concern: don't click too early, or just continue continue to climb. Like just just don't peak because I felt like they they peaked too early last year, and they kind of put their foot off the gas pedal. So hopefully they learn from that playoff series, and they say we can't stop. 
we got to keep going. Do you, th- do you honestly think we make a trade? Yes. Oh, no. As soon as I saw the Rodney Hood trade, trade I was like, okay, there's more coming. Mm. One, it happened on Sunday. The deadline's not till Thursday. Traditionally, you don't just make one move before the deadline and not being on deadline day. Um, I still think there – I still – I am about 95% sure that first-round pick is going to get moved. Um, we have probably the eighth or ninth best record in the entire NBA. It could be as high as six. Five. I mean, we 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 could crack that top five, and that pick's going to be low. Like I said, we already have two rookies, Caleb as a third year player that cannot get on the floor because there's guys ahead of them. Take a handful of those guys and, and try to push your chips in a little bit more and get one. Like always, take quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're seeing this right now with the Lakers and Anthony Davis. Don't don't you don't want six, seven Toyota Corollas, you know, Nissan Sentras. You want that? You want that Lamborghini? I'm not saying Portland's going to get a Lambo, but you you all get my point. You want if you're getting the best player in the trade, nine times out of ten you're winning that trade. What did you think about the Porzingis trade? Holy shit! So I'm you know at work and get a Woj Woj bomb with Ramona Shelburne that you know the Knicks left in the impression they they left with the impression that that Chris Stapps wanted to be moved. All of a sudden later, my, my buddy slacks me and he's like, whoa, did you see the, the Porzingis news? I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't believe he wants out. And I was like, did they really trade him? He's like, yeah, to Dallas. I'm like, whoa, that just happened. Like, I went to Twitter and I saw the move and I was like, holy shit, that's, that's, that's all they got? Dennis Smith Jr. should absolutely put up some crazy numbers with the Knicks but, but right my now. I think with Dennis, so I was all aboard that Dennis, that, that Dennis train. Like, I thought he'd be the best point guard out of that draft class. With nobody else in New York, I'm a little bit worried he's going to go like, oh, past his prime, Steve Francis, Stefan Marbury on everybody. Like, yeah, he's going to be putting up numbers, but like, are you going to want to build around him? So I want to see him have an all around game. Um, man, he's getting his, he's getting his spot took by like this G League point guard. Man, it, 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 the first few games hasn't looked good for him. Like, he it was like a four minute rotation in the first and third quarter. I don't know what to make of the trade. I really, really like it for Dallas just because they're 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 risking their future. I mean, they they they've basically given up three unprotected picks next year's to Atlanta essentially, and then twenty twenty one and twenty twenty three. Um, that that's tough to overcome when you give up that many unprotected first round picks, and especially a, to a guy coming off of an ACL injury. With that said, though. Doncic and Porzingis, if it does if it does mesh, that's gonna be a nice, real nice building block to that's gonna be a fantastic foundation. And you can start getting players around them. In the West, it, it's probably barely playoffs. So there's gonna have to be more moves to be made. So Cuban and in the GM there, Donnie Nelson, they're gonna have to uh, you know, bargain basement a little bit with the free agents. Um, they're gonna have to hit on whatever draft picks they do have. And they're going to have to, you know, get some nice pieces around. But I really love their future. They, it's kind of incredible they were able to do this without tanking. Um, you know, they just made, they just made the right moves at the right time. And for the Knicks, they're really going all in on free agency. And, you know, t- to be honest, I, I don't know how stoked I am about a Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant free agency class. Kyrie to me is all flash, not much substance. KD. I just I'm not a fan of that dude. 
can't I've never seen him lead a team to anywhere. So I, I still think they're probably the third or fourth best team in the Eastern Conference. But I guess if you're the Knicks, that's better than what they've been since what ninety nine. It, it's tough for the Knicks, but I think it's all about like trying to woo players with New York. It's not the team; like it's a dysfunctional. But when last when team. has that happened? When is the last free agent that that we can recall that has signed with the Knicks or the Lakers? I mean, LeBron aside, LeBron signed there for Wasn't legacy. It Amari. Amari coming, yeah, no, Amari coming off of a, of an ACL that Phoenix is like, no, I we are not. So yeah, they got a tainted All Star, but yeah, it's Stephon Marbury. No, he got yeah. traded there. Damn, I don't know, man, but. You know, when you have an incompetent team uh, owner and, you know, it's like, well, we got to use the city as an ex- uh, a reason for us to try and get some talent. I mean, it's weird. You see what Porzingis did when wanting to leave. Normally, we think when you draft a player, you get them for eight years because of uh, restricted free agency. But if you f- have a great player and you're on a team like the Knicks that don't really have a future, I feel like what Porzingis did is going to be the norm in the NBA. Just, you have me for six, I'm out, you better get something for me type of things. Because, like, especially with a bad culture. Yeah, I think the culture played a lot into that. I I think players will be, and I'm not saying Porzingis was not loyal, don't take this the wrong way. I think players are are more loyal than they give, than they get get credit for. I, I think the Knicks screwed this one up. Phil Jackson was basically throwing the student under the bus two years ago. They made way too big of a deal over the exit interview. He was, I think, looking for a way out, and you took it. I don't, I don't, I don't blame him in in this situation. Like the Knicks have been a poorly run franchise for decades, not decade, decades, plural. They have been that bad for that long, and I don't blame him. You know, I'm all for for player movement when the opportunity makes it. When the opportunity knocks. I mean, when you have leverage as a human being, especially against like a, you know, billion dollar industry or billion dollar thing, you got to take that, take that leverage when you got it, man. Absolutely. It was pretty, it was pretty amazing that like they traded him like an hour, two hours after that interview, man. And then you see stuff like they didn't listen to all the offers. Free agency, yo, they better hit on free agency or they just lost a lot you know a a star for dennis smith jr do you want to hear an unpopular opinion what's up if the knicks buy out wesley matthews i don't necessarily think it's a fantastic fit in portland i think it's just emotional fit i don't think i don't know if it's a player it, it is absolutely an emotional fit because i've seen people propose trades of oh let's send evan turner and maurice harkless for nicholas batum and I'm like, hell no, but he's got another year left on his yeah. contract, and he's he's worse than those players. I know you have visions of Batum from 08-09 tipping in last-second shots against the Spurs, and you know we've got Wesley doing the bow and arrow and locking down Harden. That was six, five years ago. Like Those yeah. players don't exist. Wesley, after the Achilles, is not the same guy. And you know, to be completely honest, I'd rather have Rodney Hood or Jake Lehman play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's all emotional. And I mean, the the one trade I'd be all about is getting a Davis back. But like Nico's got to be up there in age. And then Wes, I mean, that injury is so rough. And then he plays a lot of minutes. 
he played a lot of minutes for Dallas too. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of wear and tear on a body that never really took any breaks. It's tough, man, but I don't, I don't I think it would be all emotion. And ha- he has to be pretty insulted by he gives his like his heart and soul to this franchise and then we don't offer him anything. I don't know if he'd want to come back to this ownership or not ownership, but like, you know, the figureheads. Yeah, I, Wes is a guy that strikes me as someone who holds a grudge. And I, from the rumors, Portland didn't even call him or say they weren't going to make an offer. So uh, I think that bridge has been long burnt. Uh, but Blazer fans, I, I think if you want Wes Matthews, just wait a couple years. Gary Trent Jr. not only kind of looks like him with the shooting sleeve, he's got the same uh, you know hairstyle. He just got the goatee. The dude has been lighting up the G League, had the game winner the other night. I mean, putting up like 35, 37 points and getting better and better and better to the point that Portland's like, okay, we've seen what you can do. You're coming back to the to the show. Um, this guy, I think, is going to get playoff, not play, excuse me, he's going to get minutes next season. Mm. He is going to make it so Portland, if Rodney Hood doesn't knock our socks off. Or Seth. Okay, if Seth Curry doesn't knock our socks off, okay. Like if we're able to get under the tax line and offer somebody a mid-level exception, it may not be at that two because if you keep CJ, I, th- I think Gary Trent is going to be ready to contribute next year. And so that's, that is the bonus of having a first round pick because you're able to build yourself a farm system. And if you use your, your time with the G league and your practice time correctly, you can really coach these players up and watch them develop internally. And then they're ready for the show. I mean, you look at what Denver's doing with Malik Beasley. He kind of looked like he was a bust for a while. And now he is a very important piece for them, you know, three years after the fact, just take, take your time with these kids. I mean, that's, that's, that's the bonus of having a first round pick. Portland had two of them last year. So they've got a couple of guys, you know, basically ace up their sleeves. I think that's enough at the moment that's why I'm ready to put that first round pick in play just because we we've got Dame right now playing at an MVP level. Let's get him the most help. And you know, this team would be deadly with just another starting caliber player. Yeah. I mean like Neil O'Shea liked him. That's why he gave him part of the MLE this year. You don't you don't give part of like an exception for a guy you don't see as part of the future of your team. Oh, him, him and Seth got that. He got that MLE got that part of the exception. He cares about him. He wants him to do well. The only time I've ever really seen it is with Frank Jackson in New Orleans. So, like, obviously, Neil O'Shea likes this kid. Yeah, and what did we – we didn't – correct me if I'm wrong. We did not have a second-round pick. We traded two of them to get him. So you can trade those fuckers. We'll give you our 3,031 second-round pick. I mean, it, it doesn't or money. matter. Or money. We'll just give you it, money. It, it, it just doesn't matter. So like, just let let's cool it on getting up in arms over a second round pick. Like, and if we're worried about a second round pick in twenty twenty three, you know we're supposed to be really worried about our first round pick in twenty twenty three. If we're yeah, ready. yeah. If we're worried about our twenty our second round pick in twenty twenty three, we've uh, got some problems. So if Portland is looking to acquire another piece by the deadline, who are some who are some players out there that would really Move your needle, realistically. I would, I would definitely love to kick the tires on Nico Meritic. I think he would be really good with this team. He would provide the shooting, rebounding. He got 10 a game this year. If he gets healthy, he'd be fantastic as our fourth, our, our stretch four. Yeah, Meritic is the guy that I would be 
be down to acquire if it costs, you know, a Harkless and and a first round pick. Um, it it def- really it, it's weird because with New Orleans, obviously they're going through so much, it like media presence, and like me- media is coming to every practice, every everything. So it it should be interesting to see like when Nico Meritic gets traded. Is it a Dell Dems guy or is it a Danny Ferry guy? Because if we traded uh, Harkless, Danny Ferry's going to be the GM of the Pelicans next year. And if it's Myers Leonard, Myers Leonard uh, is a guy that uh, Dell Demps liked. So it's, it should be interesting to see who, what gets offered. And because New Orleans is trading somebody, they can't keep everybody. So, I mean, either it's like a 20. 45 second round pick for Julius Randle or a first and Mo for Nico. It should be interesting, but I, I definitely think Portland should be talking to whoever the, the, the GM is in New Orleans and trying to get Nico Meritic. Absolutely. Um, I, I think that's that's where Portland, I, I would say, needs to upgrade it is the four. Um, before this move, I was like, the three or the four. I think if you get a guy like Torian Prince now, it might be a little crowded. Um, Layman's just been playing so well that I really want to continue to feed him minutes. He gives us something that nobody on this team does with his athleticism, his shot making, and his ability to move without the basketball. I, I think that is a lost art among you know today's NBA and has been so beneficial. I mean, just because teams aren't ready to handle it. Um, you factor in, we've got really good passing from multiple positions. Uh, it makes him such a nice weapon hood can swing between the two and the three. It's just that four. We, we really need help there. Zach Collins has been incredibly inconsistent. Um, you never know what you're going to get with, with Alfred Camino. If we could just get a consistent four, uh, watch out. Like I really like our chances in the postseason. If we got, if we got say Nico Mirtich, I would put that team up against anybody not named golden state in the postseason. I mean, that starting five is just going to be so strong. So strong, so unselfish, so versatile. I mean, I want to see Dame actually get into a playoffs where he's not having to score 40 a night for us to win, mm-hmm. where the defense can't focus every single ounce of energy to stop him. Yeah, you I mean, can't really do that with Nico spotting up, CJ, Nurk bodying shit. Like, there's too many wrinkles in our offense now to just play the... uh the type of defense New Orleans did against us, man. So it's like, pull that trigger, man. I mean, is there any other uh, guys that you think uh, that pique your interest? Yeah. I would have said Drew Holiday, but he is not getting moved. I don't think the Pelicans are moving him. We discussed Mike Conley on the last podcast. I still like that idea to bolster the backcourt. Yes, I know it's a little bit of embarrassment of riches, but you can never have enough ball handlers on the on the roster. Um, Blake Griffin would be a really nice piece if you can kind of wow Detroit and if we could get him without giving up CJ, the more the merrier. Um, other than that, like I said, I'm just looking for a starting caliber player who is getting ready to enter the, the prime of their career. Um, I will say this, though. I think whoever Portland acquires, is, it's going to come a little bit out of left field, just like Rodney Hood does. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time Portland made a move where it was like, oh, yeah, we saw that coming. A Flalo. Yeah, outside of a Flalo. Yeah. You're right. A Flalo, that was what, 
six five years ago. Yeah, we've been covering it seem a while. <laughs> four, 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 five years, five years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's that's tough. I think Portland has assets to get it done though, and Neil Olshay um, should do it. The the one trade that would piss me off is if we traded a first and Harkless just to get under the luxury tax. Oh, that'd like, this be bad. Is, this is not the year to worry about fucking luxury tax. We can get a mid level exception next year. Like, do not waste a prime season of Damian Lillard for for next year. No. Mm. Go for it. Would it auto border trade? No, fuck auto border, yeah. man. That contract is ass. It's so bad. So, how safe do you think Neil Shea's job is right this second? We're recording at 448. On, Neil uh, it, it doesn't matter if I said a 1 or a 10 because both he and Terry Stotts are going to get to the end of the season. His job security and Neil's will depend on playoff performance. So if he wants to better his job security, he will find additional support for Lillard and, and Nurkic and possibly even CJ McCollum. So um, for, you mentioned Terry it. Stotts, it'll be the same. How is he going to incorporate those pieces? So I've been starting to think that Neil O'Shea and Terry Stotts jobs are tied together. If one gets fired, I feel like it is they're, the beginning of the end. For definitely both. a package deal. Yeah, exactly. It's a package deal. Like, if you fire Neil O'Shea and bring in Sharif Al-Durrahim to be the GM, what if he isn't a Terry Stotts type of scheme? They are tied together. So if you really want to keep Stotts, you better hope to God Neil O'Shea does work. It, it's just so many things are fighting against one staying. It's both stay or both leave. Man, like I was thinking about this for a while, and then you just spouted off like five seconds. <laughs> Good shit. Man, are you, I know? I mean, I know both of us are hoping that both get fired. But how do you I, think I, they they both can stay? If, if we do work in the postseason, they both can fucking stay. Fair that's enough. Been fair. My, that's been my entire hill. I've been defending. Mm. It's this is their last hurrah. If you get us out of the first round and if we, if we go six or seven games in the second round, okay, well, let's keep running that back. But if we do not get out of the first round, both Terry, both Neil, get out of here. Like we need to figure something else out because this team is too talented. And I don't want to hear the summer of 2016 and, you know, we're, we're not good enough and this roster is trash. This roster is not fucking trash. You have a top five player in Damian Lillard. You have Yusuf Nurkic, who is a top five center. CJ can get buckets on anybody. Uh, Jake is up and coming. Myers is playing some of the best basketball of his career. You have a great home court advantage. You have a passionate fan base. Uh, you have continuity, so you can't use that as as an excuse. You have fuck Seth Curry's what the leading three point shooter in, in the league right now. I mean this this roster is anything but trash. Mm. And I would say eight out of ten NBA teams would kill. Exactly. For, That's what I was. That was what I was about to say. Like. There aren't that many teams I'd rather be a fan of. Like, of course, the top tier, but like, we're pretty damn good. We are, yeah. And that's the thing that blows my mind when when people talk about Terry Stotts. It's like, oh, he's been delivered such a terrible roster. Oh, boo, fucking who? Yeah, cry me a river when you get delivered Damian Lillard. Like, come on, this this dude is a fucking perennial MVP candidate and we, we haven't even mentioned he made the all-star team because it was such a foregone conclusion mm-hmm. one of the clutchest players in the entire nba intangibles off the charts leadership 
like any other blazer I've ever been around. And yeah, you got a dominant big man down low. I mean, and you've got we haven't even mentioned Alfred Aminu. Yes, he can be a little bit of a liability, but he also is your best defender. And <laughs> Probably your best rebounder. <laughs> yeah, so there's this roster is not trash, and I know they have played like trash at times, but it is not a, a trash roster. Has Neil O'Shea fucked up? Yes. Yes. But so has Terry Stotts, and they both have succeeded at times as well. So that to me is why they are a package deal, and that to me is why both of their jobs depend on the postseason. Mm-hmm. Does Neil construct a roster strong enough for the postseason, and does Terry utilize the st- strategy to get the team out of the first round? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got a little uh, heated there, but that's that's one of my pet peeves is when people are standing for Terry Stotts but want to fire Neil O'Shea. No, they are tied together. At the it's hit. a package deal, and it's a it package blame. It, it can't be one is 100% at fault and one zero. Absolutely. When has that ever been the case in real life? People love a scapegoat, and we've seen it time after time with, with Blazer fandom. It, it was Luke Babbitt, then it was Myers Leonard, and now it's Neil O'Shea. It's never one fucking person. It's it's a group. You, it, It's a team effort, yo. Thank, thank you. It's a team sport. We're not playing tennis here, not golf. Basketball. Yeah. Jeez. It's not one play or one move. It's just the culminate. It's the group of shit that happens. Culmination. Thank you. Culmination of events. There we go. Sips a little bit of tea. <laughs> yeah, you speak English better than me. Good for you. Pat <laughs> on my back. All right. <laughs> oh man, but it's there's a lot of shit going on in the NBA, man. Like even on Super Sunday, Lakers fans were hoping for an Anthony Davis trade, like the. The NBA is so much more live than the NFL. People were worried about like a Woj bomb during the Super Bowl, man. You know how petty that would be? You know how petty that would be? That'd be incredible. Yeah. Like, damn. So, (laughs) Anthony Davis. Yeah, what's up? Is he going to get moved by the deadline or not? No, I don't think so. But I think think he's going to get moved, absolutely. But he's... It's such a weird situation because Clutch just ruined all of his, like, reputation around the league. I think at the end of the day, Anthony Davis just wants to be a well-liked guy. Oh, yeah. And with how Clutch is doing stuff, he looks like the asshole. When I don't think he's the asshole, I think it's his agency. I think it's LeBron James trying to get a superstar to play with. I don't. I think what New Orleans has to do is do what's best for them, not what's best for clutch sports. So if I also don't think any of the Lakers' trades were good enough. No, and if I'm the Pelicans, I specifically do not take that. I don't take any trade from the Lakers because then that sets the precedent mm-hmm. that the media can influence teams. Yes, because up to this point, the media has influenced a narrative. Kawhi Leonard needs to go play with LeBron. Paul George wants to be a Laker. It, it's the, the narrative starts getting there and it creeps up. And then, but you've then got if he gets traded, it's a proven concept. It's a it, it's yes, exactly. It is a proven narrative that works to drive your storylines. So, and it, let's be it, the the GM of the uh, uh, Lakers was also like an agent of Eric Gordon who really fucked 
over Del Demps in negotiation. I don't think Del Demps wants to help the guy that screwed him over so much and screwed over that franchise so much. And I was gonna, you know, it just it doesn't help that the Lakers offer. It's just trash. trash. And it's keep, trash keep... compared to either the Knicks or the Boston Celtics. And I hate the Boston Celtics, but like that offer is better. So if I'm the Pelicans, I move him by the deadline if I get something good. If not, I sit him and I tank and I I tell Adam Silver I'm sorry. Hey, we tried. You allowed this, you allowed this to happen. Yeah, you allowed. LeBron to basically have his own agency mm. and drive this. This could have been handled all internally with maybe a couple of leaks, but not this. We're getting day by day updates of what's been offered, and it's all driven by Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. They need to fucking slow their roll because they are ruining the reputation of not just Anthony Davis, but for all players who want to move. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think the original plan was that they would request a trade after the season. I think that was what it was. And then the impatience of Clutch just, like, made Anthony, uh, I mean, pulled the trigger on this thing. But every time there's a pro-Laker, you know, tweet that's coming out, you know it's not driven by him. It's driven by the agency. I truly don't think he cares about what city he's in i think he cares about winning and that's the thing like i think boston would be a better place for anthony davis i think new york would be a better place for him like as a person i don't think he would be as good with lebron as he would be with Kyrie, just because of his attitude he's very i mean i love him but he's a beta superstar so if he was with Kyrie, he can be that beta who gets 40 and 20 and then Kyrie takes the last shot LeBron James won't be able to take the last shot at age 37. And that's so LeBron. I I love what he does off the court. I I think he's one of the greatest players of all time. But if we're just talking strictly basketball, he's starting to tarnish that very well. Well curated career. Mm. And you start to hear things like he's get, trying to get Luke Walton out of there. And then he's basically throwing every fucking teammate away just to get Anthony. And how does that make your teammates feel? Exactly. And it, to a point, it's like, bro, I, I know you spent a lot of time in Cleveland and your family wants to live someplace better. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. Not even you, LeBron. Like you, you decided to side with the Lakers. You knew what their roster was. It is not a good roster. There's a reason they haven't made the playoffs in four or five seasons. It's mediocre at best, you know. These guys, yes, you might have cap space, but you have to wait. And you're up in age. So if you truly wanted to win, you should have signed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. If you wanted your legacy and to start looking after basketball, fine, stay with Lakers. But then you can't drive these conversations. Like, you have to pick one. And um, to me, it's just getting a little fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. Like, just play. Just... <sighs> Quit trying to influence the entire, the entire roster move of a basketball. Like I, I love the dude as a person, and I love everything he stands for. But basketball wise, now he's starting to piss me off a bit. I mean, dog. Every day I wake up and I see all these, you know, articles that are like obviously by Clutch or influenced heavily by Clutch, or you hear Mark Jackson talk about how great Zubek is. And it's just like. All right, guys. 
it's making you not trust all of the like it used to be trustworthy people and it's like damn man and how is this going to affect new orleans's culture in the future you know if they get jason tatum or they trade for zion williamson are we gonna have to deal with this shit six years from now damn but it, it makes me as a blazers fan see the importance of signing damian lillard to that max extension yeah can we like take a moment and just appreciate what we have yeah. You've got LeBron trying to throw every player away, always trying to look for the next superstar. I mean, he was begging for for Dame, trying to get Kyrie to come back. Now he's going after AD. You've got Kyrie, who's the pseudo promise to the Celtic fans preseason, and now he's saying, "I don't owe anybody shit." Um, How do you feel about that? Do- by the way, I think he's just a weird dude. I mean, I just. I, I am all for, like I said, he, he his free agency. He he he's right. He does not owe anybody shit. But, but he probably shouldn't say that. It, you can't do that in the middle of a a season, the middle of a playoff chase. Um, you requested to be moved one year after winning the the finals and hitting the biggest shot of your career because you didn't want to play with LeBron. You wanted to be the alpha. Now you're the alpha, and you're saying you basically can't handle it. Mm. And. We've seen athletes. I mean, that Kyrie wouldn't be the first one. Kevin Durant talked shit about LeBron when he joined a super team. And what did KD do? He joined mm. the team that beat his team after blowing a 3-1 lead. Um, God forbid this ever happens. But Dame's always defended his stance. It was like, I'm not going to go chasing other players. I'm loyal to the city. You know, knock on wood, that stays true. But it wouldn't be the, the first time people change their minds in any fact of life. So that is completely fine to change your mind. What I don't like is the drama that it brings. You should be focusing on the season rather than the summer. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm saying, you know, I appreciate Dane because, you know, again, knock on wood, the dude is drama free. He's all about his team, all about his business, um, loves the city, loves the fans. Like Portland could not have asked for a better ambassador. And, you know, if he wants to get a trade, I think he would do it in the most respectful, like, let's handle this in the summer and keep it low key. And, you know, this is what happens when people take things that probably should be handled in-house and put it to the media. And then AKA it turns Jimmy in- Butler. Yeah. Oh, shit. I mean, all of the... It- and I understand leverage and all that stuff. It's just, man, Clutch Sports has kind of tarnished Anthony Davis's, like, reputation in the league. And... Yo, reputation's hard to work your way back from. Like, once it's spoiled, you have to work extremely hard for that stuff to improve to, like, where it was before it was spoiled. And sometimes it never gets to that place. And and don't get me wrong. I, I am all for pro player movement, especially when your contract is up. But when you're under contract with, with, with somebody, they're paying you. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to go out and fulfill your responsibilities uh, under the terms and conditions in which you signed and no two scenarios are alike what jimmy butler is going through is not what anthony davis is going through is not what Kyrie is going through they're all different in, in their own unique ways my whole issue like i said is just the drama and the media attention that inevitably comes with all of these moves and i, I don't think it's fair that some players get criticized for not having loyalty when they want to move, yet when an NBA team moves a guy, it, it's a business decision. That narrative needs to fucking change in an instant because mm-hmm. it's bullshit. Well, and then 
you know, Anthony's dad talks about how Boston did Isaiah Thomas dirty, and indeed they did. But th- he wants to go to New York, where well, it's yeah, they, like they've been less so comp- to Chris Stapps. Yeah, and it's like, man, New Orleans has been shit, but we're not that shitty, <laughs> you know. Knicks have been a laughing stock, man. How many coaches and how many GMs have they gone through in the last ten years, or since in since two thousand nine or twelve? I excuse could, me, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, so it's just like, man, I get it. New Orleans has sucked. I've watched damn near every second you played this your entire career. We sucked. We haven't. We haven't. I mean, you know the 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 blame isn't all on Dell Demps. It's not on it, again. It's a spread around blame. And if you were Portland, two part question: A, would you go after Anthony knowing you wouldn't get a secure? free agency extension give me the opportunity to woo him okay so you answered correctly what would be your godfather offer if you're portland not like yeah so what would be the most you you would offer new orleans anything that's not dame or a nurk yeah i I would go cj collins aminu i would do three picks oh i would do three picks without even blinking i would do four picks without even blinking to be completely honest you have if you hit on that that's championships yeah, if you have Dame, Rodney Hood, Jake Lehman, Anthony Davis, Yusuf Nurkic, yeah, you're challenging and, the Golden State Warriors. And think of it this way. Those players that would never come to Portland They're coming. would come to Portland. Pack the, pack the yep. Yeah. Like, wait, wait they're, they're, they're going for the brunches. They're going for, you know, they're going to the Columbia River Gorge. They're going to Oregon Coast. I mean, they're here for the whole fucking Oregon experience. Sign them up there. Yeah, Wesley Matthews would come. You know, all of these players would come. The, all the buyout candidates would come to They're Portland. They're Portland. Yeah. So I would do it in a second. And I, I, again, if shit doesn't work out, at least you tried. Uh, yeah. You, and so, you get fired. So it doesn't really fucking bother you. Like, you know, it's the next man's guy. Uh, it's the next GM's problem dealing so, with so, what the mess we made if it doesn't work out. The old adage is I would rather strike out swinging than, than looking. Yeah, exactly. So I would do it in a second. And. Again, like people are worried about the twenty twenty three pick, but if it doesn't work out, man, shit, like it's rebuild. It's it, yeah. it, it, we've been there before, and uh, Anthony Davis is not Kevin Garnett after Boston. Anthony Davis is not Paul Pierce. Anthony Davis is a transcendent player now and in the next contract. So yeah, you take that every single time, and you don't even worry about it because if you're worrying about it, you're not putting Dame. And Anthony and Nurk in the right position. You, I, I know it has to be in your mind. You have to have backup plans. But yo, just think how hyped the city would be if Anthony Davis and Dame were on the same team. Like shit would be insane. I think that is a great transition into the upcoming slate of games. We are going to take a quick break from our sponsors. And we'll be right back to talk about three games on the schedule for your Trailblazers. You are listening to the Holy Backboard on the Sage Digital and Nothing But Net Networks. For more on your Trailblazers, go to iTunes, search the Holy Backboard, and subscribe today. Today's show is brought to you by Vinyl Me, please. Join the Record of the Month Club at www.joinvmp.com forward slash Holy Backboard. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard Podcast. Dustin and Sage here. Sage, the Blazers 
finally are back in action after what six seven it, days it, it's been a hiatus for us it's been a hiatus uh blazers have the heat on thursday tuesday today the spurs yeah. on thursday both tnt games 730 tips rounds out the four game homestand and then they go on the road for a quick back-to-back the first one we will cover is the dallas mavericks but first let's talk about the miami heat a team that we said earlier they are better on the road than they are at home uh they did just get spanked pretty bad and sage what what do we need to know about this team who i know goran dragic is out who do we have to watch out for who's your x factor and most importantly who's getting the dub i think the blazers get the dub but it's all shit like the only it's it's the in, most inconsistent team in the NBA because of the rotations and because of how many skilled players there are. You know, one day Wayne Ellington finishes games for you, the next he doesn't get off the bench. So it's just a lot of actual NBA players on a team that like just aren't winning but deserve minutes. So it's like you, I can't tell you who's going to play. I, I actually I can't. Josh Richards is going to play thirty-five minutes. The rest is all a question mark. So is it a Wayne Ellington game? Maybe. Is it a Tyler Johnson plays 38 minutes and gets 10 points? Maybe. But there's there's just so many players that you just don't know who is going to step up in that current game. The coach is good, and I promise you Josh Hershison plays a lot. <laughs> yeah, my only fear is if like Dwayne Wade has a vintage performance. Mm-hmm. Um, they did beat us earlier this season. Dame put up 42, but it wasn't enough. So that has to be on on the Blazers' minds. I, I think the biggest challenge for them will be rust. They looked so well mm-hmm. against the Utah Jazz. Hopefully, I believe we'll have Nurkic back for tonight. I'm really looking to see if Rodney Hood can make his debut. I'll be there, you know, leaving in, a, in about an hour or so to the the arena, and I'd love to give him a standing ovation as he en- ex- enters the the floor for the first time as a member of Rip City. But yeah, that that's what worries me is if D Wade goes vintage and, and the rust. I think we'll have enough, um, especially without Dragic. I, I think this is a Dame game. This is the game you lean on your All Star to mitigate any rust that might have accrued over the last six days. So I've got the Blazers. You've got the Blazers. Um, to me, the most I, uh, important. I got a, I got that question. Would you, what player do you take on their current contract from this heat, from the Heat team? For our mm. game, I know you're going to go Josh Richardson. I'm not super high on him. I never was. I'll just leave it at that. Ugh. You know what? Give me Bam out of bio. Yeah, he's taking minutes from uh, Hassan. Hassan's I, I, confidence I, I is like gone. the potential there. Um, that defense would be pretty nasty off the Justice bench. Justice has started to come on a bit, but you're going to have to pay him pretty soon. He already got paid. So I, I would. It's tough, I'm, man. I mean, maybe Wayne Ellington because he's super cheap and he hits threes. But it's like the players that you would. I, I would take Richardson, but like the players that you'd want are on some really long ass contracts and they just started to get good. Shout out to you, Justice Winslow. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but that, I mean, that maybe Josh. Oh, shit. James Johnson. As a yeah. backup four, he'd yeah. be fine. He'd be a great third big. But, you know, it's like third bigs or like barely starters. It's a bunch of that on that team. Absolutely. So I think the most important game is Thursday. 
you have a chance to really put some separation against the San Antonio Spurs. They are on a West Coast trip this week, and they have the chance to lose three or four straight. Uh, Portland is 1-1 one one so far this year uh, against the Spurs, and they have L.A. It's always going to be a game when, when Aldridge comes back to town. We handled them pretty easily the second game of the season, and then they kind of got hot from, from three to run away with, with the, <clears throat> the second contest. But Sage, I like our chances against the Spurs. I think we match up really well. That to me is my prime postseason dream Mm -hmm. just because I don't think they have the horses necessarily to keep up with Portland. And to me, this is a game you go, you go to Nurk and and you eat. And on the other end of the floor, (laughs) you double the fuck out of LaMarcus. I think the, the, the thing I am looking for the most is starting out fast because there have been months where it's just blowout after blowout after blowout for the Spurs, either by a win or a loss. If it stays relatively close, he plays his horses a lot. And if we just kick their ass in the first five minutes and go out to a, a big lead, they're not going to spend the energy because they're an old-ass team to try and keep up. But if they keep it close, that's where it worries me. But if we start start out fast, I, I have no worries. Uh, Rudy Gay is playing the best basketball of his career, though, by the way. I mean, you want to talk about they're on the rodeo trip right now. They got beat by 15 points against the Sacramento Kings last night. Wednesday, they're at Golden State. Thursday, back. So we get them on a back to back, which you said that we need to run, push the pace, look for fast break opportunities, offensive rebounds, basically win that whole entire hustle board. Then Saturday, they have to go to Utah. Tuesday uh, to Memphis. They get the the all-star break off, but then they hit the road with the Raptors, Knicks, and Nets. So that's a lot of potential L's. That's a lot of L's. And so Portland needs to take advantage of that and put the pedal to the metal. And I I expect them to do that. Uh, I think that we're well rested. I think Dame's got the team locked in. And like I said, my X factor is going to be that that hustle board, fast break points, tempo, get up and down the floor. They are old. That that is not you know, a, a, an opinion that had a fact and that that's, I've got the Blazers winning that one. What, what you have, what do you have? I have the Blazers winning, but what would scare me is if they keep it close and then in the last three minutes, we just get out coached. Cause yeah. that, I mean, that's as much as everybody loves Terry Stotts. It pop, pops, pops pop, the goat. Yeah. Sunday noon start for Portland on the West coast time in Dallas. Uh, it's going to be a drastically different Dallas team. Portland is 1-1 one one on the season against the Mavericks. They they won 121-118 in overtime back on December 23rd, but they also lost by 9-111-102 in Dallas on December 4th. So it's been a hot minute since we've seen this Maverick team, and obviously we discussed the acquisition of Kristaps Porzingis, likely not going to play the rest of the season, and they moved on from Wesley Matthews and DeAndre Jordan. but. J.J. Barea is injured, too. J.J. Barea is injured, and he he was the, their... He killed the, us. ...their motor, yes. But they did bring in Tim Hardaway Jr., who had a really nice game against us in New York. Um, and didn't they get Courtney Lee as well? Yeah, Courtney Lee. So they, they do have guys who can hoop. Um, no Dennis Smith Jr. It's really going to be, can Portland make Luka Don, Doncic look like a rookie? And I think that's what it's going to come down to. Again, they don't have a true big uh, that can stop 
Yusuf Nurkic, especially with DeAndre gone. So Portland needs to kill them in points in the paint. Portland needs to attack the basket. Don't rely on threes this game. Go to the basket. You're not going to get your shot blocked. Get to the free throw line. When you're on the road, you want to slow that game down. You want to take the crowd out of it. And this is the first of a back-to-back. I would love to see Portland put it away a little bit early. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a really close game. But when you got the OKC Thunder you know, looming ahead on, on the 11th, you kind of want to take care of business against against the Mavericks. So I think this is going to be Portland's most difficult game. I like them in a close contest. Luca is is that good, but <laughs> Luca's been fucking awesome. But Portland has, I think, the, the team. Who do you put on Luca? I think you give him multiple looks. I think that's what you have to do to a rookie. You can't just say, "Oh, we're going to put Mo in just the same thing." Give him different looks. Maybe trap him one time down the floor. Maybe full court press him. Uh, maybe play off him. He loves the step back three. How can you just shoot a, a, a straight, you know, pull up three? Like just those little nuances just make him think rather mm-hmm. than react because when he reacts, he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you have to. But I, I mean, when it's clutch time, I would put Mo or Al Farouk on him. I mean, that dude, he's fucking fantastic. And I mean, Mo, Mo may not be on the team, so sure, I don't know. Sure, sure. We'll be- yeah, and, and we can't really say who to put on him till till Thursday. So it, that that was a very true statement, but try and make it like he is the heart and soul of that team now since everybody else is gone or you know plays only half the time and shit like that so it, it, it's a luka Doncic show yeah. and that's a fun show to watch who do you got i think oh shit i guess it's a 3-0 blazer week i mean that's what i have as well um which would put portland at you know 35 and 20 Looking really strong as they would go into the All-Star break. Next week, they have at OKC and versus the Warriors. So that's why it's so important to get these three games. Sage, great show. Hopefully, we have more to discuss. Hopefully, we have an emergency. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, we see each other Thursday. Trade deadline podcast. Uh, but got anything last minute uh, messaging go- for our fans? Happy Lunar New Year. I was going to try and do this. Cantonese version, but you know what? Gungi Fat Choi. Happy uh, Lunar New Year to all. I'm going to order some Chinese food. And I'm going to the game tonight. Hopefully, it's a dub for, for our Blazers. Uh, hey, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!